It's a context of sound. Hi. Hey there. I feel like this one has like a different tone. Yeah, it kind of does. I feel like we can't just be like snippety snap snaps up in the air. Yeah, I mean we're one. We're like still like in the midst of week one of of a Trump America, which is like. It's a whole I don't thing. even I just don't want I'm just sick of hearing his name and really? I I would like to avoid Well I just want to only refer to him as President Biff. I would I'm down with that. President Biff Tannen. PB. PB. Yeah. I, I just I I'm, just I can't, can't I cannot. I simply cannot. And I don't want to. You know uh-uh. it's like I've given him enough of my attention, given him of my energy uh and <clears throat> it's like I don't know. I guess I'm going to like start to choose joy more often. Mm. You know what I mean? I do. Like, I know exactly what you mean. I, I have to like, I have to for like my own fucking sanity to just like yeah. stop like dwelling on the negativity of like this we 200 have to just pound do things. pile of mashed potatoes. <laughs> that's now my president. Like, yeah. Well, Cheeto dusted mashed potatoes. Yeah. That's the president of this, yeah. these United States. He's not your president. And, yeah, we have to do, yeah, we have do to it. have fun and mm-hmm. we have to live yeah, our lives. Exactly. And you know what's crazy? So um, I was thinking, you know, as we were kind of, oh yeah, I guess we can talk about what we're talking about today. Well, yeah, today we picked a very timely topic. Timely. Yeah, indeed. I think so. We're doing protest songs. Yeah, I think the idea of a protest song uh, is something that is like a a very enduring human art form. Yeah. It is, it's seen in every culture. Uh, I think that especially within the American, uh, like sort of musical identity and then the fabric of like what, what is and will be the sort of great American songbook, uh, in our history is full of protest songs. Yes. Yes, indeed. Great ones too. Amazing songs that have, that have stopped wars, that have saved lives, that have uh, united people, that have divided mm-hmm. people, like these songs. And educated and people. And educated people, like most importantly. Yeah. Like that brought attention to a lot of like important details and and, yeah. and, and marginalized people and voices and communities. And and literally con- is the context of yeah. sound. I mean, that is, is like... It? What it means. Yeah, so many different... You can pinpoint different times in history, what was going on socially, mm-hmm. because you know a song that came from that year or that time, and you know that what that song's about. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think the other beautiful thing about it is they 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 can and tend to be like quite like multifaceted and like in the sense that an idea of a protest song isn't always as literal as this is one specific issue that I'm taking note on, you know, like, <clears throat> yeah, it's not always just this song is about police brutality. This is about this one thing, or this is about, um, you know, um, gay rights or whatever. Like this is, it's, it's more of this, like, here's, here's some situation, this zeitgeisty kind of feeling or yeah. sentiment or, or ideal or, or circumstances or, or multiple set of things that society is currently facing uh, and I'm just going to shine a light on it and say like, Hey, this is kind of fucked up and we should probably be doing something different about this or we should be feeling something different about it. Yeah. But then on the flip side, sometimes it is just protest is like, is not really about shining a light on the bad things. It's about like proclaiming 
what is good and yeah. what is yours. You know, like yeah, <clears throat> that's true. There is something, uh, something defiant about like that kind of proclamation of self to say like, this is who I am. I celebrate this. 100%. I stand in this. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a protest. Yeah. Um, I mean, even you think about black lives matter as a movement, mm-hmm. it's simply a proclamation. Yeah. It's not the, those words themselves yeah. aren't protesting. They're not they're anti not, they're anything. Not anything. There's it's simply a proclamation yeah. that black lives matter. Yeah. It's 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 that, so simple. So simple. So and simple. yet so many people struggle struggle S-T to ruggle. say those words. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's beyond. It, it's absolutely beyond. I mean, there's I guess, you know, like should we just should we get into it? I mean, or are do we, we have, I feel like, like we already got I into know. it. <laughs> I mean, we're just like came I mean, in here super I, ready. I I've definitely written some protest songs and especially like the last kind of yeah the sort of sort of like the some of the the your most recent tracks have been like pretty like i've been doing you know, a lot socially, of protesting yeah and so i feel like i'm a little bit burnt out i know yeah. like we're entering into like a severe Need there's never that. any really reason to stop protesting yeah something. absolutely i'm feeling a little burnt out personally on on protest songs. You know, it's interesting. Like I, I was reading this article that was talking about um, this. I think there's an event. Yeah. There's an event that, you know, uh, Amanda Palmer from the Dresden dolls was, mm-hmm. was speaking at. <clears throat> she was down in Australia and she's kind of talking about how one of the plus sides of a Donald Trump presidency is that it's going to make what she said that it's going to make punk rock great again. Yeah. That, you know, like people have always kind of like in these times of like kind of great sort of social, I guess, suppression or oppression. And um, in in that sense, that people tend to rise up and band together and produce some really phenomenal art. You know, she used the example of uh, the Weimar Germany kind of like experience and how, you know, in the interwar period in Germany... The Weimar Republic was kind of what that that area was called, and there was a, a, a pretty big proliferation of like art, specifically like you know fine art, a lot of literature, a lot of intellectualism in general, that kind of was birthed out of this um, this kind of really kind of nationalistic sort of upswell in that country, uh, and how that how that produced so many great things was through the kind of suppression that was being felt by you know like uh, by the people who were creating that art mm. um and how it's like an expression of that kind of need to to release or to rebel um and that that's kind of where she's thinking that that's you know something that people are going to start you know, like sort of attaching yeah. to like i think they do i think they yeah. already have i think they mm-hmm. yeah do you think because like, people are pushed to the brink yeah right absolutely. now people are, are, are at the very brink <clears throat> and talking about what we're talking about this week, watching things that have unfolded this week. Yeah. The Woman's March was extremely inspiring. Unbelievable. To see, the, I mean, in my lifetime, I've never, I've seen, never seen anything that like that around the world. Around the world, no, not at all. And it was crazy just being, you know, like on the ground there. You know, I was down here in Los Angeles and just seeing so many people like doing one thing and there for one thing. And, and, and so many people, I know that there like, there's a lot of commentary about, you know, how things, you know, should have been or could have been more intersectional. And obviously I agree with that. Um, but I think that what I, my personal experience there was a lot of intersectionality. It was a lot of people having mm. these like moments to like really talk about what, it, what does it mean to be a feminist and like, mm. what does it mean to support women? 
Um, and then obviously there was a lot of, you know, anti-Trump demonstration going on as well, which is, you know, always good to see too. <laughs> um, let's be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was just mm-hmm. really, it was really beautiful to see so many people in like my community uh, that were very supportive uh, and very welcoming and being like, yes, we are for, we are for all these things. There's like, so people that are handing out these really great, you know, like black trans lives matter stickers. Yes. And I saw them everywhere on everyone. And it was like, it was really mm. cool to see. I mean, I know it's just like a gesture and, and sometimes a little empty, but it's still like a really, it's a really beautiful thing in, in order to know, to kind of put a face to, to the, the people that are, that do exist in these margins and mm. are, are feeling really threatened by the rhetoric that Donald Trump has continued to spew. Yeah. Um, and, and to be able to support them and show and your it's, support. It's easy also, I mean, Going back to the thing Amanda Palmer said and not to like put words in her mouth or, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing that Brian Eno said about how he thinks, I'm paraphrasing here, but Brian Eno caught a lot of flack this week for saying that, you know, he thinks it's great that Donald Trump is president because people need a kick up the ass. People need an an awakening. Yeah. And why, while I, I see what he's saying, it's also the kind of thing that like coming from privilege. Absolutely. It's, it's a different point of view. It's easy Mm -hmm. to sort of say like, you know, people need to wake up and it's great that, but when you're really, when there's so much at stake for so many people right now, and also when you've already, but when you've been awake, you know, that's, that's the shitty part is like, you're saying that people need to wake up. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like that's what people have been fighting for, for, I don't know, the almost 300 years of this fucking country. Um, yeah, people have been beyond. saying these things, you know, yeah. like even beyond, exactly beyond, yeah. like you can't stay woke if you never got woke. Exactly. Boom. We don't, we're done. We're done. Finished. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go home. Like that's it. <laughs> no, I mean, so, uh, so how should we do this? Should we just, you know, like go through, I mean, I feel like I love a protest song. Mm-hmm. Like I really do. Amen. You know, like. Uh, and I picked a lot of a lot of songs <laughs> of different varieties. I actually I, tried to figure out a way to like on a complete side note. I was like dead set on finding a Trina song that I could outline as being a protest song, just because <laughs> I find that she's like such like a because you were like, stretching. I, I do like to you reach were, occasionally. You were in fact trying it. <laughs> I was absolutely <laughs> trying it. I just I just thought that you know Katrina Laverne. Taylor would be able to fit into this one. But. I mean, look, she, her life is a protest song. Absolutely. Her existence is a protest yeah. song. And we salute you. I was working on the song Killing You Hoes as being like my, <laughs> my direction. But I was sitting in my car on the way over here. And I was like, nah, you know, this Couldn't is, do it. this is beyond a reach. This is like a, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. this is some next level shit. Yeah. So next time, Trina. <laughs> I'll make it work. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we we each um, picked five songs each that, you know, struck a chord with us as a protest song. I think we can just go back and forth and kind of discuss each of these songs, play them, mm-hmm. you know, and and who knows? Well, I'm sure we'll connect the dots. Yeah. So who, who wants to open up? I can start. I don't know. Yeah. Do you? I'll start. Yeah. Okay. Blood on the leaves and 
black body swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. So, you know, like that's the classic, classic. Uh, American standard, really, in my opinion, strange fruit. Mm. Um, kind of obviously made, originally made famous by Billy Holiday. Then she wrote know, so, it. She, no, she didn't right? write it. Oh, she no, didn't no. write it. It was actually written by a, a Jewish dude. Wow. Yeah, it's a. It's actually a pretty interesting story. It's like this. It's originated as like this poem by this guy named Abel Mirapol. I believe that's how his last name. I'm not exactly how to say it, but. Um, it was uh, he wrote this poem after seeing this photograph of this lynching that happened in Indiana. There were two dudes um, named Thomas Ship and Abram Smith, um, and they were uh, they were kind of chased around town. There was actually a third dude named James Cameron that kind of escaped this lynching, and he told a story to NPR. It was really really nuts. There's a actually an an, um, an, an interview. <laughs> Forgot that word. There's an interview uh, with James Cameron they did in 94. Um, not the, obviously not the director. Obviously James not the director Cameron. of Titanic. Um, but he kind of retells this story, and they have a bunch of different archival footage and, and, and audio that they recount of this really gruesome uh, and aggressive uh, lynching of these two boys. Um, and you saw this, this photograph that this guy took that was added to the... Um, um, that was, I think, in a newspaper. Um, and he was just so moved by it. So he wrote this thing called, uh, the poem called Bitter Fruit, and it was published in this uh, Union <clears throat> magazine back in 1937. It's a long time. Mm. Um, the idea of what a protest song in the United States is wasn't really a thing yet. Mm. This was the you know the 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 late thir- 1930s you know mm. this is like right as right before world war ii is about to get started things of that nature we have no interest in the black experience in the united states at the time mm. uh, and lynchings were common everywhere mm. you know and um he saw this photo and he wrote this poem, which then was set to music um shortly thereafter uh and he he had a a vocalist that he had performed this song. So the guy, um, Abel, the guy Abel. Abel's he, the writer. Abel's the writer. Mm-hmm. He had uh, a vocalist that he had contracted to sing this out at uh, an event in Madison Square Garden, which then got the attention of um, Billie Holiday and her team. Wow. At was, Madison Square Garden. At Madison Square Garden was it where this song first was performed which by. I'm assuming was. Still a sports arena at that point? Yeah, at that point in time. Yeah, it's always been a sports it, arena. Mm. Um, but like it got to be kind of well-known around the city, which is kind of how uh, it came to Billie Holiday and her people's attention. Um, they kind of reworked a few things, you know, obviously added some instrumentation. I think they added the full like uh, piano breakdown at the beginning. We kind of skipped the whole piano part of that song because it's like half the song. But mm. um, yeah, they... Um, they added all of that, those different layers to the song, and there was a, a, a lot of um, sort of trepidation about releasing this record. Obviously, you're talking in the mid-30s about like some very serious, violent yeah. thing that's going on, and 
Um, it's it was ended up being like a really kind of intense thing for Billy herself to sing. She always said it kind of made her feel sick, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the song in and of itself, um, I don't. It doesn't. When you really look at it and you look at the lyrics and you read the lyrics, it doesn't like really give you a lot of like sorrow. It's a lot of like conviction. It's mm. like it's eerie. It's I've eerie. always found it yeah. really eerie. Yeah, I think it's easy to sort of hear that song well for me i don't know as a child like hearing it and sort of not really knowing what it was about or not yeah. really under understanding yeah not having the context for it yeah i mean it, it's an abstract thought i mean like, yeah. you know saying you know strange fruit hanging from the poplar leaves um obviously these strange fruits being black bodies um the whole the whole thing it never once mentions lynching like by its name in this entire song but it's very clearly about that it wouldn't be a standard if it did if it did yeah Yeah. absolutely and i think that is part of the the beauty of a protest song is Mm -hmm. to is to frame the idea yeah in a way that transcends yeah because it never loses its like its potency or yeah. its power, you yeah. know, it's like because it adapts itself it adapts to itself. its each new, each new situation. Like, yeah, the sort of disregard of black bodies has been uh, a through line through the entirety of of the American existence. Yeah, and this song embodies that. Yeah, it 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 it, it, it precedes itself and it and it you know like extends itself. Um, from slavery up through, you know, the, you know, industrial prison complex that we have now, that is, it is all strange fruit. Yeah. And Eve, I was thinking about when you, um, cause I, I remember hearing the, the portion of the story about the published photo in the newspaper of the mm-hmm. lynchings. And then I was thinking about the, the fact that there's so much, you know, gory images of, black people being killed or, you know, just in the, mm-hmm. in, with the brutality that's happened visibly in the last few years. Yeah. It's this constant, like having to look at the devaluing of human life. Yeah. When that's what's, when that's what's shared to someone, that's the crazier part about it. You know, like, um, when you, when you look into black history, like the way in which it's taught and explained in, in, in public school, it's like, it's very much so of like how downtrodden and disregarded we were, which is a very true, you know, and real statement. Uh, but it, it, it still reinforces this like devalued desensitization to the black experience yeah. and to black bodies. And like, it, it's, it's all the more relevant in, in the way in which like people treat the victims of, of things like police brutality and shit mm. like that, that we are unable to value these, these children these grown men, these fathers, these these daughters, these wives, these husbands, whom whom have lives and have families, uh, and are are no different than anyone else. But because like we've historically just always been able to sort of disconnect, like the like as a country, we've disconnected the humanity of 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 people of color, um, and that not only that extends beyond you know like the African American experience. Mm. Um, that extends itself to, to Latinos and Hispanics and Native Americans and, and the Asian community in, in a way, too. Like, we somehow always feel the need to lessen who they are. Mm. Uh, and that so somehow, it, it, it's an enduring It's the root trait. of white supremacy. It's an I enduring mean, that trait. is, yeah. 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 But, yeah. 
that song I wanted to play because uh, it's not only just a song which I think has, since its inception, really kind of continued to be a protest song for each generation in a different way. It's kind of shaped the way that, um, the way that I think music after its stuff, like protest songs within the United States, kind of were able to. To, to be more effective was in that kind of like ab- that abstract thought that this mm. song sort of that structure of the lyrics. Um, and yeah, I think it's a beautiful song. It's, it means a lot. Uh, it's a really deep, it's a really jarring, it's a really uncomfortable song. Uh, and it's, it's it sets beautiful. the bar high yeah, too. It really does. Because also just having Billie Holiday as the interpreter of that. Yeah. And that voice. And it's not even really a blues song either, you know? Like, she's a blues singer, obviously. But, like, it never really gave me, like, this This is the blues. This is more of, like, a... Yeah, it's, like, a weird, like, oral, historical folk. It's kind of a folk song. It's got that, like... That kind of, like, Negro spiritual vibe to it, to me. Yeah. Definitely. Hmm. Yeah, man. Oof. Heavy one. It is heavy, but it's really, yeah, that song's never gone away. Nope. It's always been important. And I think because it, especially we, we live in a country that far too often sugarcoats its history or doesn't acknowledge mm-hmm. its history fully. And that song has carried that history yeah. on in ways that maybe like textbooks or media or yeah. other things have you know, really properly acknowledged. Yeah. So, and before we get off of it, I obviously have to address the fact because this is a song that I think for the youngsters in the crowd, like, would associate most with like Kanye mm. and Blood on the Leaves. Yeah, yeah. And you sample yes, the Venus and Moan exactly. version of it, and I think that is that song. The more that I think about it, is probably the reason why I dislike that album because it's just like to me that's like Strange Fruit is such like uh. I approach that song with such like reverence, you know, like it's just, I think it's just like a really beautiful song that like he just kind of distorted with a bunch of like Kanye-ness and not like, and not like, I'm not talking like the way in which the song was built, but like lyrically, he's just not really talking about shit. And it's like, if you're going to sample this like really important, iconic song, like come with something about something. I don't know. It was weird seeing that song in its live format at his show and just sort of seeing like, not only like a slew of white teenagers like constantly using the N word. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to hip hop show. Exactly. But yeah, just like in that context, it was really. I noticed immediately that it yeah. was weird. Yeah, it's it's just really strange yeah. to me. But um, more power to him. Yeah. Anyhow, so. But maybe people will. Hear it, and I mean, for the first time there, and or like dig into it's like it. an introduction. Because honestly, the, the Nina Simone version of that song is uh, <clears throat> it's it's just as powerful. I mean, like it's Nina Simone. It's she, Nina Simone. She basically uh, lived a life of protest. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna get to her. I'm gonna talk about her as well. God, I love that woman. One of the best interpreters of. I mean, any song that was a standard that was mm-hmm. a pre-existing song. Yeah. The way that she interpreted it. Yeah. Was it became it always became some kind of definitive mm-hmm. version of that song. Mm-hmm. You remember uh, she did um a cover of the song 
feelings. Classic jazz standard, you know, feelings, oh, yeah. feelings mm-hmm. of sadness. Um, at the Montreux Jazz Festival, and like I want to say, like the mid seventies, uh, and just. It's like the saddest thing you've ever the seen. The saddest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Every time I'm feeling like really sorry for myself, yeah. I like go on YouTube and watch it. It was feelings. And it's absolute feelings. She yeah. stops midway through. And I just remember says, seeing the video. God damn. She's like, how terrible to have to feel the things to require writing a song like this. And you're like, God damn it, Dina. Like, absolutely. Why would you want to feel this thing? And it like made you like, God, she just takes you there with everything she says. I don't know. You should go. Are we going to talk about it? Well, I, 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 I want to kind of come. I want to get. I You're mean, going on a journey. I want to. I want to come back to Nina because okay. I feel like from my spirit feels heavy. Okay. Right now. Let's do it. We're, like, what did I say and earlier? I, take you with, take with the spirit. And leads. I want to just kind of not. I mean, none of these are going to be really lightening the mood because they're all serious and the they're protest all songs. protest songs. Well, one of my songs probably is, but. Uh oh. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I want to just like visit a different period, a different point of view and mm-hmm. a different thing. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Motherfucking, Beth motherfucking ditto. ditto. Yeah. Ah, what an amazing, beautiful, just gorgeous person. Unbelievable human being. Hi, Beth. I just, I love her so much. Like everything about that woman inspires the fuck out of me. She's so cool. She's just the coolest person. Like yeah. when it, when it comes down to like a lesson and how to truly not give a fuck. Mm. You take, but, you give, but, but give, give a, a fuck. fuck. Yeah. Give the right fucks. Give the right fucks. And not give the wrong fucks. And not fucks. give the wrong fucks yeah. whatsoever. That's yeah. Beth motherfucking ditto for you. Yeah. So this is this is standing in the way of control from American punk band, The Gossip. And I feel like just, I just need to stop it because I'm just distracted by its incredible potency. <laughs> it's like, whenever I hear that song, you know, it's just like, I remember the first time I heard that song, I was so fucking pumped about it oh how could you I not was be just like you are you, they came so fucking hard in it yeah. and it's just like it's such like a fuck you it is a fuck you it is an absolute fuck you in a very you know it's such in contrast to strange fruit yeah it's you know that it's got this like really eerie it gets underneath yeah. your skin yeah this gets right up in your face right from in your the get-go exactly um 
And I think a lot of people didn't really even know what this song was about. Maybe they still don't know because it was just such like a woohoo anthem mm -hmm. that... We'll break it down for him. I'm so going to yeah. break it down. Um, the song was a huge hit in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. It was... Um, it went to... Uh, it was released in 2006 and it went to number seven on the UK singles charts and number one on the UK indie singles charts. And it was... I was in the UK a lot that year and the year mm -hmm. after that and it was on the radio constantly they were on the cover cover of enemy magazine a bunch of times mm -hmm. um enemy magazine put standing in the way of control at number 23 in its list of the 50 greatest indie anthems of all time wow it put it at number 34 on the 150 be best tracks of the past 15 years and pitchfork placed the song at number 429 on its list of the top 500 greatest tracks of the 2000s it's so crazy that it was so... I mean, she's, like, about as American as you can be. Like, her cute little twangy accent. Yeah, and she's like, a country girl. She's such a country girl. She's a southern bale. She's from, like, the, she like from the best like, kind. Where's she from? Like, Tennessee? Like, Arkansas or something like that? I don't know. Somewhere like that. Somewhere like that, yeah. Um, but I know she's in, she lives in Portland. Oh, God. She's so um, but... The, what the song was about, it was, it was a response to the federal marriage amendment, which the Bush administration, they were trying to, I don't know if you remember this, I remember this, they were trying to constitutionally, they were trying to amend the yeah. constitution to outlaw same-sex marriage yep. in the United States. And if they had done that, they, they've been trying for, you, a long time. for a long time to just really amend the constitution. Yeah. Um, and Dude, Beth that's so crazy. Think about that. Yeah. Like, people, like, America hated gay people this was 10 years so ago. much to where they wanted to constitutionally I mean, America, a lot of America it. still does. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But, like, Lest it's so nuts. It's it is nuts. so nuts to me. Like, a constitutional ban is a really fucking big deal, man. Yeah. That's like, it's also we really never, ever, 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 ever yeah. will give a fuck about you. But we'll still be able to bear arms. God damn, that's crazy to me, man. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, Beth said in an interview, nobody in the States was that surprised or shocked by what Bush did, but it made everyone I know feel helpless and cheated. Mm -hmm. I wrote the chorus to try and encourage people not to give up. It's a scary time for civil rights, mm -hmm. but I really believe the only way to survive is to stick together and keep fighting. And I feel like it's always a fucking scary time for civil rights. Absolutely. Well, maybe I'm saying that because it, it is a scary time for civil yeah. rights right now. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal, though. I think that the interesting thing and something that I, I kind of really realized in, in the process of the last kind of week, like, like just thinking on this and meditating on what we were going to talk about and figuring out what music I was like going to you know, dig into, was that so much of this stuff has kind of been a present conversation in American music or just world music in general for so mm -hmm. long. Uh, a lot of the songs that like I was kind of getting, uh, I was seeing a lot of through lines where it's like, oh, I can talk, I can see like this was talked about in 1988 and it was talked about in 1993 and it was talked about in 2005 and it was talked about in 2015 and again in 2017. It's like, these are things that like have- Like when Republicans are in office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn. Uh, but there are things that are consistently spoken about and consistently written about uh, and, and music made for and, and, and against. And yeah, 
I mean, it's like that that classic sign that you've been seeing at all the protests exactly. recently says, like, I can't believe I still have to fucking protest this shit. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. And it's crazy that, like, uh, a lot of times I think it's a, it, and they say it's a scary time for civil rights. Like, it always is. You know, like, it never, never not. It, it never not is. It, it never, never not is. It never not is. <laughs> <laughs> and... It's just, I think the beautiful thing about it is like a lot more people are realizing that that's the case. You know, like I think that one thing that I keep latching myself onto is like this idea that like we're in the midst of a lot of growing pains. Yeah. Like really positive growing pains. Like yes. we're learning to have a lot of really difficult conversations. Yeah. Like with people ourselves. People are learning. With our family. About other people's experience yeah. and they're acknowledging it and they're, they're and seeing they're struggling how to, with it. They're and struggling that's important. It. They're struggling and they're acknowledging it. Yeah. Like it does take time. Like, and it's not, it's shitty to tell people, it's shitty to feel like you need to be patient and specifically, you know, as a person of color to be told, you know, like, you know what? Baby steps. How about you chill out? And like, <laughs> I'm like, no, fuck you. Like I've been doing this shit my whole goddamn life. Like, don't you tell me I need to wait. But like in the same token, it's like, Change is not does not happen overnight. You know, like, I think the the crazy thing about like this whole Trump situation is, you know, like when you think about like Obama ran off of a campaign of change, and uh, which I think a lot of people were naive to think that like we could just sit there and things were going to change. Like, yeah. oh, we got this black dude, this really pretty black guy in office now. <laughs> uh, he's super charismatic, and you know he fist bumps and stuff. Like, he is going to save this country. Yeah, and we're like, let's just sit back and watch watch him work. Uh, and that's why people don't vote in midterm elections. Exactly, which are the most important ones. Yeah, that's so Honestly, much backdoor sneakery. Yeah, and it's like people sat there for eight years and watched a man like literally get like his ass handed to him repeatedly from a unbelievably ineffective Congress mm -hmm. and a House that like just ran, just did whatever they wanted to do, just like stop him at, at every corner. Mm -hmm. Just never tried to help, which is, you know, whatever. We sat and watched all that. We sat and watched uh, fucking Mike Brown and Trayvon Martin get like no justice served to them. We sat and watched Sandra Bland have no justice served to her. We sat and watched Cece McDonald get no justice. We sat and watched all these people um, and all these things happen. Uh, and just expected them to change. Mm -hmm. And I think finally people are starting to realize that, no, we need to like, get our fucking boots on the ground mm -hmm. and start giving a shit about each other and really, truly understanding what it means to give a shit about each other. Yeah. And that means understanding. And that's why it feels like the 60s again in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because, you know, people have been so cushy <laughs> mm -hmm. for such a long time such and inactive. Time. And because we... You know, everyone was always saying like, oh, the Internet era has disabled people from proactively, you know, taking action in ways mm -hmm. that they used to going to the streets, going mm -hmm. to their um, city council meetings, town yeah. hall thing, you know, and now it seems like people are getting off the Internet a bit more. Oh, absolutely. And I'm probably going to have to do like a c corrections corner about this week when I realize that people are still on the fucking Internet being <laughs> trolls. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but... So this, back to this song, the federal uh, marriage amendment. Jesus, that was one hell of a fucking tangent we just went off on. It really was. Okay, sorry. Let's not do that so much. No, no, no. I mean, good hey, it's ta tangent time. Tangent time. The Can we make in, a jingle for tangent time? 
Um, like, it's tangent time. Oh. I had to be like a like a like a xylophone, like doom doom. I don't know. Tangent time. <laughs> and that's tangent number two. <laughs> this week's tangent is brought to you by Tide. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry. <laughs> um, so this amendment, so the marriage protection amendment, as it was also called, wanted to define marriage as a union of one man and one woman, and it wanted to just completely make it impossible for anybody else to get married. And in order for a constitution to be amended, two thirds of each house of the Congress has to vote in favor, and three fourths of the states have to ratify it. Yeah. <clears throat> And the amendment failed, fortunately, 236 to 187, falling short of the 290 votes required for passage in that body. So, yay, it's still Beth bananas, did though, like, you did it. I wonder, like, it's still crazy that, like, those 246 votes, some of those people are still in office. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, it's so recent, you know? It's, it's crazy just how <laughs> far, like, LGBTQ rights have come in the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, President Obama was really the first president ever to acknowledge that was like yeah. actually pro LGBTQI. Yeah, from and really only in the last like 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 defiantly so in yeah. the last four years. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep, and just imagine being like if being someone in politics who really was adamantly you know, who's got friends and family and stuff that's yeah. LGBTQI, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. We just love, we're just going to keep, we welcome you. We welcome you to our community. Absolutely. If you have an initial you would like to bring. Let us know. Let us know. We will, we will tack it on there. There's 27 just, letters in the alphabet. Just add them. We can double up too. Shit. You know, yeah. get some Roman numerals in there. <laughs> LGBTQRSE. You know? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, but and wanting to and wanting to stand up for, for those people and feeling like politically mute, yeah, like you you can't like it's sabotage, yeah, yeah. That's Which I like, think a lot of people did feel, yeah, absolutely. That's like a politician back then. That was like a politician being like, you know what? I kind of I think I think communism makes sense. It just won't work for us. Like you don't say things like that, you know? Like yeah, that that's it's just crazy to be kind of like handicapped by that and yeah. So, yeah, the the chorus on that song is standing in the way of control. You live your life, survive the only way that you know. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's what we're all trying to do right now. That's what we're trying to do right now. Yeah, you live your life. I'm going to, like, move on to something, like, pretty current. Okay. Just, like, ping pong around. I think I like I had all these songs in my head, and then when I was on my way over here, I I, I really just, this popped in my head on the way over here. As a song I wanted to talk about because it, it's pretty new and it's it it's just an important song to me. I, I really I really appreciated it once I figured out what he was actually saying in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you'll know it's what I'm talking about. It's uh, it's the charade by D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god. There's another long it. intro. But perfect. But still really good. Oh my god. This SNL performance? Yes. All day. All day. He he did this at FYF and it literally made me cry. We were we were standing next yeah, to that each is other. True. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, where do you <sighs> Don't begin? Don't even get me started. Where do you fucking begin? I mean, D'Angelo is literally the only person that shaped me as an artist that's still alive. First <laughs> yeah, of all, pretty much. Like, it's it's bananas. Uh, this song obviously like uh, was released in 2014. Yeah. In 2014, um, mm-hmm. and in a really timely moment, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, this was like. Mike Brown. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Trayvon Martin. This is Eric Garner. This is all of these these really kind of intense moments of uh, of instances of, of police brutality uh, that mounted up into this release, and it, it's a, obviously I think a well covered sort of story of how he kind of wanted to rush the release of this because he was like, no, this needs to happen right now. Yeah. Like this, the world oh my needs God, it this was record. The perfect time. It was a perfect timing, and f- and especially when you've been like telling everyone for like 10 years that you're gonna about to put an album out yeah and, and then, then like, you just bloop drop this you bloop, like drop it and you're just like okay i'm gonna walk away from this and like such what a gift you know oh my god it was like the best weekend of the whole the whole year, year. i just whole was year. like and it was like end of Dece- it was like december yeah. yeah i was like you know what nope i need it i sat in my i sat in my 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 apartment at the time it was like nope this is out i need to sit here with this record yeah and just listen to it like I don't even remember the last time since. I don't think there's been a time since then. I don't remember the last time before then that I locked the door, turned off the lights, put my headphones on, and listened to that album from beginning to end yep. on repeat. On repeat. Yeah. I was like studying it. Yeah, absolutely. And just from the perspective of this song uh, and the uh, the premise of of the charade, as yeah. as he as he calls it, like. What a powerful statement, you know. Uh, the the whole song, you know, it, it's. Oh, this bit. Oh, yeah, he comes out of the gate with this song, kind of talking about how the like, kind of where we were ta- what I was touching on earlier with you know the black experience and, and and black bodies really being devalued in this country and and how regularly we are subjected to uh, injustices and. Uh, let me just like read some of the lyrics actually, because mm. he kind of starts out mumbling in general. And I think for a, a, a while, I was like, I need to get into this. So he says, crawling through systemic maze to demise, pain in our eyes, strain of drowning, wading through the lies, degradation so loud that you can't hear the sound of our cries. All the dreamers have gone to the side of the road in which we rely on, inundated by media, virtual mind fucks in stream. All we wanted was a chance to talk. Instead, we got only outlined in chalk. Feet have bled a million miles we've walked, revealing at the end of the day, the charade. Mm. Like, mm. there's so much that he, like, just starts talking about right in that part, though. Like, we've been so sort of dehumanized, and this idea that somehow uh, there is, that racism isn't a thing, that, like, sort of institutional racism isn't a thing that it's all a fucking farce and that yeah. like when people say that justice comes to like those oh you know like let it play out in the courts and see what happens like yeah the whole idea of what a lot of people are talking about when it comes to things like institutional racism yeah. is that like justice like can't the be system served. won't fail them if they're in the right side of the law exactly and so like it doesn't work that way you know no. like when you when you're talking about things like institutional racism it's not an option you know and like the straight of it all is that, like, when when you see people like Eric Garner being, you know, like, 
choked out by somebody on national television and this person like walks free Mm. what the fuck is that Mm. you know what is it it's that's a fucking so many things but one of the things is like it's a type of psychological abuse yeah is one of the things that it is absolutely in my opinion no i mean it's there's there's a really interesting um uh quote that I wanted to read um, about uh, kind of the reasons why uh, D'Angelo decided to release his record when he did. Um, And a record called Black Messiah. Black Messiah on top of it. Um, And I want to also talk about why he called it Black Messiah and why it's really important too. But um, he said that after a grand jury didn't indict a Ferguson, Missouri police officer, um, you know, Darren Wilson, who... um, had shot um, Michael Brown. Um, D'Angelo called his co-manager and said, do you believe this? You know, can you believe it? And we just sat there in silence. And then that's when he knew that he wanted to like say something and wanted to start moving things. So, so it was like, you know, because of this, the, the experiences of, of Mike and the unfortunate passing killing of Mike Brown, um, that prompted him to be like, all right, now's the time for this to happen. And he had originally planned for it to be released that next year. Um, and he was like, it's time to speak out now. And when he sort of started talking about why he named it Black Messiah, he says this. Black Messiah is a hell of a name for an album. It can easily be misunderstood. Many will think it's about religion. Some will jump to conclusion that I'm calling myself a Black Messiah. For me, the title is about all of us. It's about the world. It's about an idea we can all aspire to. We should all aspire to be a Black Messiah. It's about people rising up in Ferguson in Ferguson and in Egypt and in Occupy Wall Street and in every place where the community has been in, in every place where a community has had enough and decides to make a change happen. It's not about praising one charismatic leader, but celebrating thousands of them. Not every song in this album is politically charged, though most though many are. But calling this album Black Messiah creates a landscape where these songs can live to the fullest. Black Messiah is not one man. It's a feeling that collectively we are all the leader. Mm. We are all that leader. And it's interesting that he's not on the cover of the album and that the cover is a group of people with their hands in the yeah. in the air. Yeah. And I think there's something beautiful to say there too, you know, that we if we are all Black Messiah, then we are all our we are all our all our own our own salvation, you know? Um, which I think is a sentiment that a lot of people are learning now. Again, like we can't rely on anyone to save us. We need to save ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves, we need to protect ourselves. Mm. Uh, and, and by ourselves, I mean us as Americans, you know, like, I don't think that it needs to be exclusive to any one thing or one person to do so. I think that we should collectively be... Or even beyond America. Yeah. Everyone in the world. Yeah. Take care of each other. Shit. Yeah. Goddamn. So... Such a great album. Such a great song. It really is. Such and genius. I mean... So important. Yeah. So important. Definitely encourage people getting into that. If you've not really listened to it's Black It's a kind Messiah, of a... I know a lot of people, you know, people that aren't as like, people can be thrown off by D'Angelo, especially like his last couple albums, mm-hmm. especially when they like his more like easy listening stuff. Yeah. But if you are a fan or if you feel like your musical tastes are maturing, it's Absolutely. now time to get into D'Angelo, especially like Voodoo and Black Messiah. Oh, God. The, the genius on those albums is... Unparalleled. 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 A hundred percent. Absolutely. It's on another fucking another plane. Bubble. Yeah. Thank you, D'Angelo. Thanks, man. Big ups. So glad. I mean, 
it was just like, I didn't think he was ever going to come out with another album. I'd sort of made peace to. with you it. You know what I mean? I was like, like, you know what? I'm grateful for what I have. For what I have. I feel incredibly yeah. fortunate changed, to have it. You changed it. my life. Changed my life forever. You changed my ears. Yeah. Um, he changed the way that I arrange vocals, yeah. vocal harmonies, track vocals. I mean, mm-hmm. that album, I mean, it was like a year. I feel like it was about a year before when Beyonce, beyonce that album. Yeah. You know? And yeah. no one had ever beyonce an album before. Yeah, where it was exactly. like. Now you see, it, yeah. it wasn't there. Now it it's there. there. Yeah, and he did that. He did that. He did the 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 midnight he drop. It. He Beyonce did it, and and it was amazing. It was everything. It was it was like the internet was just yeah. The internet was 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 was, was a blaze. It was crazy too, because like the thing is, you know, when you encounter a record like that, it's one that you want to take your time with. Yeah, you know, like it's. I think there's other. Another song that I think I'll get into later because it's your turn now, but like another record, like it's like To Pimp a Butterfly from another like sort of more recent like yes. perspective. When you listen Incredible to it album. and you're just like, there's there's a lot here. I need to so get my much. time. And so like first, it's at, high first art. at first, yeah, that album absolutely. Is elevated art. Absolutely. And to to sort of when you listen to something like that, and you're like, holy fuck, like you are you're unpacking some real shit here. And that's just, like, the lyrics. Like, the musicality of it, the fucking songs, the structures, like, the musicianship. Um, like, who else is doing it? You know what I mean? It's it's just, like, it's bananas to me uh, when you can encounter someone who is able to put together something as dynamic as the Black Messiah was. Uh, it's, it's, it's an experience that, like, people should definitely, like, get into. I yeah. mean, it's... You deserve it. Your ears deserve it. Yeah. Music deserves it. Absolutely. The world deserves it. We need it. You know, like these, like we're getting at, you know, like these, these ideas of like social commentary and how important that is to music. Um, we have to like, we have to make sure that we like protect that and celebrate that when it happens because it's, it's such a beautiful like capsule of, of, of time. Mm. Um, I agree. Yeah. I think I saw him like two, maybe I think two or three times. I can't remember. It's at least two. I saw him a couple years before that. Yeah, I, I, I was doing a festival the, in Finland, and he was doing the same festival. I saw him at uh, him Vula. and Questlove did a performance at uh, First Avenue in Minneapolis. Oh my god! It was so like cool. Questlove on the drums and and D'Angelo on a Rhodes. Oh, I heard about the and show. It was, it was just him just at the him, Rhodes the whole him time. Him at the Rhodes the whole time, and it was just it was the first time I'd seen him. And obviously, like, my entire black-ass life had been, like, <laughs> leading up to, like, uh, seeing this man who I've always been, like, absolutely, like, blown away by. And it was just, like, it was such a, a beautiful, like, intimate little show. I loved it. Can't go wrong. Yay. <clears throat> okay. So, this one I'm really excited about uh, that I picked. This is an Australian Song. Song mm-hmm. from an Australian band. Um, this week in Australia is Mark's Australia Day, mm-hmm. which is extremely controversial because it's basically Australia's like 4th of July. It's like okay. uh, it's like the national day we celebrate the country. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> it falls on the day that the British landed on the island. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's invasion, in, day. invasion Day yeah. is what. I prefer to call it what yeah. a lot of young people like to call it because um so this is essentially like Australia's Columbus Day like well, in in, in its it, sentiment it, it's like imagine if 4th of July was on Columbus Day yeah 
Yeah. It's like that. It's like that. Um, there's a or huge... Or if Columbus Day was 4th of July. Exactly. Yeah. If we celebrated our country... Yeah. Or the birth on the of our day country that, on the day. Or to, to commemorate... To commemorate a genocide. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that is how a lot of people, including myself, feel about it. It's really controversial. And then there's like the old guard of politicians who refuse to acknowledge that it's offensive or, or to change it. Mm-hmm. People want to change the date. Uh, and I think they absolutely should, or just get fucking rid of it because patriotism is like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it's true. It's like, like patriotism for the sake of patriotism is it's one like, of the dumbest things. It's just, it's just, ugh, we don't need that anymore. <laughs> it's like, you can absolutely support and love your country and still be critical of it. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like if you're paid, if you are, if you are a nationalist person, to like an like a, a, a an absolutely ignorant level, like it's a problem. It's a problem. And, and so I picked this song. Uh, it's I don't know if you know the song. It's called "Beds Are Burning." It's a 1987 song by Australian rock band Midnight Oil, um, who are like a huge le- legendary band from Australia. But this is their <laughs> international like crossover hit from the 80s. Or is it? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that song reached number one in New Zealand, South Africa, and Canada. It went to number three in the Netherlands, number five in France, number six in the UK and Australia, number 11 in Ireland, and number 17 in the United States on the Billboard Hot 100. It came out in 1987. It's also... 1987. 1987. It's also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's it's a a big big song. It's a big song. It's an important song. The song basically was um, a reaction to the forcible removal of Australian Aboriginal people, this tribe called the Pentupi tribe or the Pentupi people. Mm -hmm. Um, The government, so uh, most of Australia is completely empty. Mm -hmm. It's like the same size as the continental United States pretty much, but there's only 20 million people in the whole country and they're all on the coasts. Yeah. Because it's pretty much unlivable. It's like dry, arid desert. Yeah. 
but there was Aboriginal people that lived in these like arid desert lands and the government decided that they wanted to test it was great real estate to test their ballistic missiles wow and so they wanted to remove the people from these places so they could test their missiles and they forcibly removed the pentupi people and put them in the northern territories which is another state yeah. and basically just moved them out of there yeah but not only did they move the people, they forcibly remove thousands of Aboriginal children from their parents. And there's yes. this whole thing in Australian history called the stolen generation, mm -hmm. which is like incredibly dark, shameful and sad chapter of the country's history. So they took these children from their families and, and they put, put them, them into uh, like religious organizations, uh, foster yes, care. The same thing they did with like the native Americans. Exactly. Yeah. These kind and of like, they took the lighter skinned ones too. And oh, they yeah. like integrated them into yeah. like white families. Yeah. And, um, there's a really great movie about it. It's not so much of it about it as a, as a large idea, but it takes yeah. place during that time yeah. and it's called rabbit proof fence. Mm -hmm. And it's about these Aboriginal sisters that are trying to find their way back yeah. home. Um, it's just like such a devastating chapter of Australian history. Yeah. But um, so the song, the lyrics are the time has come to say fair is fair to pay the rent, to pay our share. The time has come. A fact's a fact. It belongs to them. Let's give it back. And then ask the question, how do we dance when our earth is turning? How do we sleep while our beds are burning? Like mm -hmm. as in how do we just carry on? when yeah. all this stuff is happening around us or has, yeah. or has happened and we haven't acknowledged it. So yeah, it was like a big punk, yeah. punk rock, like anti Australian government mm -hmm. punk anthem at the time. And was, so has that's kind of been like the sort of voice of, or the sort of standard of like that kind of like this, like anti um, invasion day kind of idea to say that, you know, like, to sit and celebrate, like the founding of your country, when it's like well, the this song's not even specifically another. about uh, um, yeah. in about Australia Day. Yeah, that's something that's happened more recently. Uh, okay. That well, I mean, it's been happening for a long time, but in the in the consciousness and the greater consciousness now, it's like a really yeah. big deal. Like yeah. there was huge protests this absolutely. week in Australia. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it it it, it makes total sense. Like I mean, we kind of were saying that like an abstract sort of idea because like that's totally it speaks totally to that you know? yeah like how can you sleep when your beds are burning like that's a really powerful statement it's such a great lyric yeah i mean it's a phenomenal lyric yeah um they performed this at the um 2000 sydney olympics they performed it at the closing ceremony of the 2000 sydney olympics mm -hmm. to an audience of billions of people around the world oh. including the prime minister at the time john howard um they were dressed in all black with the word sorry printed on their clothing. Mm -hmm. And it was, there was a movement at the time called the say sorry movement. I, that wasn't called the say sorry movement, yeah. but it was. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. They started this national sorry day in 1998 on May 26th. And it's to remember and commemorate the mistreatment of indigenous population of Australia. Cool. But no one in the government had ever acknowledged, acknowledged it. it until... 2008, the Prime Minister Kevin Rudd moved a motion of apology to the Indigenous Australian Stolen Generation. He was like the first, first. elected wow. official ever That's... to say 
we did. We're sorry. Yeah. And it's a big deal. I mean, words are words. Yeah. But words mean a lot, you know? Yeah. The sort of the, the assumption, like the assumption of guilt is, or or sort of the, the, the admittance of guilt Mm -hmm. is a powerful thing. Um, and just saying like, Hey, we fucked up. We did the wrong thing. We apologize. You know, think about the fact that, you know, like the United States is literally never formally apologized never. for a single fucking thing. Not one thing. Not, so it is a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. You know, like to, the, to imagine our own people. If, imagine know? if the government turned around and said like, we're sorry for, I mean, where the fuck would you begin? I don't even know. Like for, for, uh, Native American genocide. Yeah, let's for start slavery, with that. Let's for, start with that. You know, like <laughs> for all these things, you know, yeah. it's. It would. It would for be putting all the Japanese people in concentration camps. Yeah, Japanese camps. internment camps. Um, for the for for Chinese like forced labor on the railroad, like yeah, all kinds of things. You know, like we we have a lot of things to apologize as a country. Um, you know, it's it's funny to think you know, even back into the days of like, um, like the Salem witch trials and how you know this <laughs> is early <laughs> early founding years of the, of our country. Yeah. Uh, in which a witch was described as a free-thinking woman. Yeah, it was a woman with an opinion. Which is bananas. It's like pretty much anybody I know now. <laughs> exactly. I don't. I don't everybody know. Everybody I know would be I don't dead. Know a single woman. <laughs> Absolutely. God, I don't. I, don't, I would have never been born. You know what I mean? <laughs> True. <laughs> you know True what I mean? story. It's like we've we've done a lot of fucked up shit in this country to our own people. Um, yeah. And it's about high time that we start apologizing for it. Um, and maybe maybe not on like a, and maybe it's not going to happen on a national level. Hopefully one day. I mean, I pray that I'll see it in my lifetime. But definitely from like a, from an individual perspective, uh, it's not easy to admit that you benefit from any bit of privilege mm. or that you have subjected someone to any bit of oppression mm-hmm. um and we all have regardless of uh your your age or your race or your gender or your sexual identity um in some way shape or form like we have we have especially in the united states when you look at it from a global perspective we have so many privileges in which don't allow us to kind of see some of the things that we do and say that are yeah. fucked up on a regular basis yeah you know like just, i'm starving yeah <laughs> like really like really, really bitch yeah exactly you're starving you had a fucking pizza bagel like an hour ago <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i haven't had a pizza bagel in so long you know when pizza's on a bagel it's so good you can have pizza anytime you can have pizza anytime and it's like perfectly sized for like you know on the go for an on the go lifestyle <laughs> That's our next um, today's tangent is bought to brought to you by Bagel Bites. Are you ever in a pinch and really want a little pepperoni? <laughs> Good alliteration. <laughs> so yeah, Thanks. that was a little nugget of Australian history, and I did not know that it was. Um, I mean, I've heard that song before. I didn't know it was by an Australian band. Yeah, you've heard that. song, I've heard right? the song before. Yeah, yeah, it's a classic. It's, a classic it's part jam. of the fabric of. Classic mm-hmm. rock of mm-hmm. 80s rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot a lot of people don't know what it's about. But yeah, it's a really important protest song. It absolutely is. Yeah. And for that to have been performed at the closing ceremony of, you know, a huge internationally publicized public event. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big song. Because usually like the, the, the 
the Olympics don't really tend to go towards socially conscious. But when you're from a country where literally no one knows any of your shit except for like Kylie Minogue, that song, and like all the actors. Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are <you> gonna do? <laughs> it's true. I don't really remember the 2000. Uh, I was there. Sydney Olympics. I, w- I was you actually that. Yeah, That's I went fun. there. It was really fun. God, I really want to go to the Olympics. I'm, was, like, I'm glad I got to go to that one yeah. because it was like 2000. It was yeah. yeah. Y2K, you guys. Y2K. No, it was really fun. God, I've always wanted to go to the Olympics. I'm gonna do it one day. I went to watch um, Korea play um, indoor volleyball. It was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, it's a funny story, like another side tangent. I was in the hospital this year during the Olympics, mm, as you know. I remember. Uh, and I essentially watched nothing but the Olympics for the two whole weeks. On a that tiny was in, square TV that was like 280 older than I was. dots per inch. It was older than you were. It was a zenith television. They don't even make those things anymore. No, and haven't for, for decades. For decades. Probably since the Cold War ended, you know? I think that was a pre-Cold War like television. Like the Berlin War was intact, <laughs> was intact. when that TV was exactly. made. Um, yeah, and I got... I mean, I've always been way into the Olympics, but I think it was like the only thing that was keeping me sane. And yeah, the indoor volleyball game was intense <laughs> in twenty sixteen. Wait, it was in, it took place intense. They had <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, that's a real fuck. zinger. <laughs> Dad jokes are oh us over here. Um but yeah, a whole nother note. I just love the Olympics. I don't know why I was going on about my like my hospital stay, but I just really enjoy the Olympics, and it, and it saved me. So thanks, Olympics. Thanks, Olympics. Uh, you know what? Since I know that you have like a Marvin Gaye song, and I have a Marvin Gaye song, yeah. Let's just talk about Marvin Gaye. Oh, let's talk about Marvin Gaye. They're both on. They're both on the album. What's, what's going, going on? on? Seminal S- album. Classic records. Such a great album. Um, just <clears throat> and if. If nothing else is a protest album. It 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 I think it But it is other things. It is but if other it were things, not other things. It is I mean you cannot not call it that, you know? Like it's this whole narrative about all the shit that's fucked up. Uh yeah. and a lot of beautiful things and too, put, but like but it, but put in such a put really in like, beautiful yeah. concept. There's hope in that album. There's so much hope in it. Yeah. Um it's it's an indictment, but it's also I think what what makes a good protest song a good protest song is it's not just pointing out uh, a breakdown. Mm. It's off. It's 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 a challenge. Mm. It's not just hey, this is bad, but it's like, why is this bad? How can we make this better? Like, it's it's starting a conversation rather than pointing a finger. Mm. Um, I think that's what makes a beautiful uh, a protest song a protest song. And the great thing about a song like. Um, what's going on or um, the song I want to talk about which is um, Mercy Mercy Me which particularly like this week was has actually been on my mind a lot just with the you know like with the revival of the Keystone Pipeline and mm-hmm. the Dakota Access Pipeline mm. uh, and uh, just the, the too other many sort things of happened this week. <laughs> I know the other, way too many way too many things but the other kind of like environmental uh sort of losses that we've taken in the Mm. last week uh at the hands of uh this 200 pound pile of cheeto dusted mashed potatoes uh (laughs) that we 
that we've that this song is even is so much more poignant. I guess I can just I can just play it. Please do. Um, but it's also song. just such a good song. Such a great song. Such a good and song. And produced impeccably. Impeccably. The song Mercy Mercy Me or also in parentheses the the ecology is all about the environment. Um, this is nineteen seventy one. Uh, I think like US kind of attention People or just they really just, talking they had about the environment. Just much started that. kind of understanding that the environment was a thing, you yeah. know? Like that's like that's a legitimate statement. Like yeah. the United States didn't even acknowledge that the environment. Did they even have the EPA? I don't even think so. I mean, I don't even know. Like, I wonder the, when the EPA was established. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna Google, Google it. it. Let's listen to the song while you Google. Oh, let's do it. This beautiful sax solo. Yeah, it's just been formed. So, you know, like, Mercy, Mercy Me um, was just a great track. A, you know, like, that whole album was, like, you know, Marvin's, like, first kind of, like, foray into, like, producing his own shit. Yeah, it was. was, you know, like, bananas yeah. in and of it itself. It was, like, a huge departure <laughs> for, him. for him as, like... I mean, he was, like, a Motown star who, like, mm-hmm. sang love songs and cute yep. little ditties. And yeah. he was fairly, like, wholesome and yeah. charming. Beautiful mm-hmm. croon. I mean, just, like... Beautiful voice. Texture. Tone. All Gorgeous that. tone. Yeah. And for him to, like, sort of release this, which is very much so a statement, a political statement. Um, this is... You have so many things with the environment. You have, you know things going on internally you've got um 
situations with, you know, Vietnam and all these things, you know, the, the whole interesting thing about that record is it's there's so many things about, you know, this post-Vietnam person coming back and, and really kind of seeing the world and America for what it is mm. and, and seeing the injustices that are going on and the, the blatant sort of abuse that's happening to not only like the people within the country, but the, the, the actual country itself, the physical earth. Yeah. Um, and, and Mercy Mercy Me was just like this really beautiful song, which talked about something that literally no one had ever talked about, like at all up until that point in any sort of song, really. Um, at any yeah, sort of, at that level. I like, don't recall a song about the environment in that yeah. way before. Or at least, you know, like, and if there is, like, I'm super curious. So if anybody like knows of any, but like the general, like, idea to say that, you know, like we're doing all these things between like toxic waste and just mismanagement of natural resources and, and really pulling on the earth and the environment in a way in which is unsustainable and uh, unsafe for us all and for future generations that we need to pay attention to this, that like science is real. You science know, is real. It's super real. It is real. And uh, the fact that the, that the climate change portion of the White House's website has been gone. taken down. Yeah. Blows is... my mind. <laughs> like, it's not even like it's it's not even up for fucking discussion, man. It's not up for debate. Like, Mm-mm. can we just like. But that's the, the, but this is this is it. Yeah. Facts are up for debate now. <laughs> we live in a world of alternative, alternative facts. Alternative facts are a real thing now, apparently. Like, so the facts are up for debate. And that's what makes it this, all so like, scary gaslit fucking era just so so crazy making yeah, absolutely i mean and the the impact of this song on the general populace when it when it comes down to environmental issues mm. was widespread i mean it, it started people, this whole they, they they got it and it they started loved this it. whole conversation it was it was one of his biggest hits let's let's see what it got it was his the single became a second million seller from that album yeah um and Mercy Mercy Me became one of his most famous songs. It was the his third single, uh, his third single recording to win a Grammy Hall of Fame award. It peaked on like at like number thirty four on the adult contemporary charts. But I think that the the song in and of itself has it, it it's been an enduring part of oh, yeah. his legacy in general. hundred um, percent. It it definitely helped shape what this album was and and why I think it's so important. Um, because it really was a very beautiful, like, moment in which he was able to capture this, like, very, very real and, and like, robust idea of, you know, like, what's going on currently in this world. Like, what are the experiences of the people living here? Um, and it, it, it is in, in social unrest and and injustice and and environmental sort of abuses and these things like that like there's a very real consequences to all of our actions that I think this record was getting into this album got into mm. and this record specifically focusing on the environment mm. um and he was able to do so uh in a really like profound way like not only was like it lyrically just a really serious and powerful um album but like sonically just oh so good it's like one the fact that this is his first foray into, into producing yeah i mean it's the way it's mixed the way it's recorded mm-hmm. it and i'm talking about 
some of that on my yeah go on and just get into it just get into yeah, it just go straight into um, it um so well i picked um the the title track from that album what's going on um and like we've said it's you know it came out in 1971 on motown and it was like such a huge breakaway from his traditional sound mm -hmm. um and this song what's going on i mean it's crazy how this all came about because he wasn't even the originator of this song he came on as a writer later on mm -hmm. and what happened was the song was inspired by um ob benson's witnessing of police brutality mm -hmm. um he was the singer from the four tops another motown group the four tops and he they were on the tour bus and they arrived at Berkeley, May 15th, 1969. And uh, the people were protesting the Vietnam War, like they were mm -hmm. and like they had been. Mm -hmm. And it got really violent. It, and it ended up being called Bloody Thursday. Yeah. And he saw just people being brutalized by the police in the People's Park. Yeah, so this, this was his park... Um, outside of UC Berkeley, correct, that um, I, I think people were, were, they were being blocked from using the park because they had been protesting a lot. So, like, the, the governor, who was Reagan at the time, I think, um, mm. brought in, like, the, the I guess, I don't know if it was, like, the Coast Guard or whatever to, like, put up a fucking fence to block people from actually being in there. Really? Yeah, and... Um, so these people, um, there was a rally going on nearby. I think it was on campus. I'm not 100% certain, but they decided they were going to take the park back because they were like, no, we're going to be able to do this. You're like infringing on our constitutional rights to assemble amongst other things. Uh, and they did so. And that's when this whole thing, this brawl sort of broke out and they were throwing rocks and bottles and the cops started firing off tear gas and all kinds of things. And people ended up getting shot. And it was like a a pretty um definitive moment in that in that uh in that community in that city still to this day is mm -hmm. um and for it to serve as like the sort of inspiration for a record like this is not only for a record but for like this record this record <laughs> is kind of crazy yeah like and well and, and and the fact that marvin wasn't there yeah um i mean and he had talked about previously being there was a you know the watts riots really mm -hmm. impacted him mentally mm -hmm. he talked about it how that was a turning point for him for marvin when he during and after the the watts riots he already had this sort of like churning in him that was like no i need to write about this that's happening i can't just be writing love songs yeah but how this came about how he ended up being involved in this and making this his record um so Obi Benson from the Four Tops um, shared this story with his friend Al Cleveland, who was a, who composed the song about um, Benson's, you know, what he witnessed, and he presented it to the Four Tops, and they turned it down. They were like, "No, nah, this is not the right song for us." Yeah. And who knows even what that song <laughs> sounded like at this point? Could you imagine the Four Tops singing that song? But it wasn't even. Oh, we don't even know if it like was. It wasn't the song. same song. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Of course, because he kind of reworked the whole thing. He reworked it. Yeah. Um, Obi said, "My partners told me it was a protest song." I said, "No, man, it's a love song about love and understanding." <laughs> I'm not protesting. I want to know what's going on. Hey guys, what's going <laughs> on? Um, 
so then eventually he's like, okay, went to Marvin in 1970. He said, okay, this is a song. What do you think of it? Mm-hmm. He ad- ended up adding a new melody and revised the song to his liking and changed his own lyrics. And Benson said about Marvin's changing of the song, he said, he added some things that were more ghetto, more natural, which made it seem like a st- more of a story than a song. He said, we measured him for the suit and he tailored the hell out of it. <laughs> and a good then he, quote. Gay actually gave it the title of what's going on. Do you know what it was called beforehand? I don't know. Cause so like, I would love to know. <laughs> no, I would like, love to know. I would love song, to know. Yeah, because like, what's going on is said pretty regularly in that song. So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was called. Well, let's play it. Let's play a little of what's going on. Let's absolutely do that. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the end. For only love can comprehend You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and here today Pick it light and pick it sight Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see Classic, genius. Uh, just I mean, a beautiful song. Uh, like you, you don't know, really need to explain that song at all. You don't need to. It, it's it says it right there. It says picket it, lines, picket yeah. signs. Don't punish me with, with brutality. brutality. Boom. Talk to me, so, so we, we can, can see. see. What's going on? I mean, is there it's is there plain, is there literally is there a, a non- plainer way to say is that? There, but is it is it also like is there anything more timely than that? No, you know what I mean. It's so it's so perfect. It's so perfect. I mean, I think when it comes down to a protest song, like oh my god, these strings though. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. I always love that line too, simply because our hair is long. Yeah, it's so great. So, uh, this song, mm. um, there's also a really great cover of this song that I like a uh, lot. The, the All Star Tribute. Oh. No. <laughs> and I want to say it was right after, because it was right after um, September 11th. Mm. Um, there was a lot of um, anti Muslim, anti Islam uh, like rhetoric uh, that was going on. I think I remember that being a thing at yeah. some point. I think it's done it's now, over, though. though. Yeah, like people are like super, like really inclusive when it comes to Islam now. And yeah. It's really great in America. 
Um, <laughs> good thing that's over too. Um, but yeah, there was a, a really they they were they kind of redid this um, this song and had like a ton of people on it. Really? Yeah, it was like they had like all of look it up. You should play it. Like they had some raps in there as well. Well, there's also another and, and um, um, Nona Gay uh, sang in it as well. His daughter. Oh, cool. Um, and it's just, it's a really good cover of it actually. Nelly <laughs> is in it. Which Nelly? Nelly Furtado and Nelly Hot and Her Nelly. Oh, really? Yeah. Two Nellies? Two Nellies. Two Nellies for the price of one. For the price of one. For the price of none. I mean, I think the song came out for free. We should do a whole album called Two Nellies for the Price of None. And it'd just be free. It'd just be free. It'd be a SoundCloud album. It'd be a SoundCloud album. It'll be great. I'm playing it from the video. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's JD. Everyone's in it. Like, literally everyone from, like, 2001, I think. Questlove is on drums. Yeah. There's Bono. There's Bono. I do remember this. Yeah. From the Bush era. Yeah. Good little Gwen. Gwen Stefani. Yeah. There's far too many of you dying. Yeah. That? I think he's a guy from like Stained or Oh my father, father. That's Nona right there Oh, from Backstreet Boys yeah. Ryan You already know who that is through. With the yelling <laughs> a little young Dusty Jello got a Yeah, everybody's in wow. here. Wow, everybody was everybody. in here. Everybody Beyonce. from the class of 2002 yes, is in here. here. Oh, it's your boy. This is my boy. What's going on? Oh, this can't eat. That makes me see a better day. Oh, this Nelly. What's going on in the world today? Wow. Yeah, I mean, this, everybody's I mean, in this it. just needs to go on the playlist. Yeah. And I was thinking the whole time, like, why don't I remember that? I mean, I do remember this, this so well, but it's like there's a big hole in my brain. And then I remembered Reasons. Yeah. From the 2000s. Yeah. There was like. There's things going a on. A lot of things going through my body. <laughs> <laughs> what reasons. Happened? Hashtag years. Reasons. Hashtag reasons. <laughs> Literally don't remember anything that happened that decade. Um. Yeah, I, that it's it's a song that I think will and and I'm excited to kind of see how it will continue to like shape and. and, and but do you know about this one? Yes, I do know this person. <laughs> Cindy Lauper. Cindy came through. Well. Or tried to. Tried. <laughs> tried. Well, I gave it a shot. You know I love me some. That is true. Some Cindy. Cindy. 
das ist <lacht> She really Cindy Lauper'd this song. She did. You know? She Cindy Lauper'd the fuck out of this song. <lacht> so hard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she actually won an MTV VMA for that. She did. Yeah. Wow. But the thing that uh, one of the things I was reading about Marvin that that really shaped this record was his brother coming back, his brother Frankie coming back from three years service mm -hmm. in the Vietnam War. Yeah. And his cousin that he was named after died while serving. Wow. So the Viet, I mean, the Vietnam War. Vietnam like War. It, it it resulted in a lot of music being made. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, obviously, like, public resistance to U.S. involvement in Vietnam. Hugely. And Jane Fonda, yeah. you know, was had took her career took a nosedive. After she came out against it. She came out. Not only did she come out against it, but she was, like, in Vietnam. Yeah. Like, with the Viet Cong. Like, yeah. She was, she was not fucking with U.S. involvement whatsoever. No. They were calling her, like, treason. They were calling it treason. And to see her, like, at the Women's March again this Jane week. Jane Fonda like, is a bad 79 bitch. 79 years old. Like. She's a bad bitch. Has always been, will always be. I mean, people need to take lessons in how it's done from Jane yeah. Fonda. How to be a revolutionary and be glamorous. Yeah, at the you same can do time. both. Get you somebody that can do both. Get be an activist and be cute. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Um, oh my god it's like me versus the people they told you not to be worried about and it's just like some scraggly activists there's like somebody i saw this really great meme somebody with hairy armpits yeah. like burning a bra and yeah. then it's jane fonda <laughs> it's like you can be a freak and still be woke you know yeah it's a thing um, so since this has been like sort of an intensive, like we've got into a lot of stuff. We talked a lot of shit. Intersectional politics. We talked a lot. We talked about a lot of a stuff. A lot of shit. Um, so we're going to split this into two episodes. Yes. Um, so, so check back next week for the continuation of us talking shit. Yeah. Um, and um, in the meantime, like we say every, every week, week. Um, rate, subscribe, email us if you have any Thoughts, ideas, questions, corrections. All that shit. Thoughts, ideas, questions, corrections. Thoughts, ideas, questions, corrections. We should record that too. And then the, obviously the... You name! Context of sound at gmail.com. Twitter, context of sound. And yeah, definitely let us know. Tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell your friend, tell your neighbor, tell your cousin. Yeah, if there's anything that you guys have in regards to like suggestions and stuff like that, let us know. You know, things of that nature. We like to talk clearly, and and we're not afraid to do it. We're not afraid to do it. So yeah, if you guys also, if you were wondering, our birthdays are one day apart. It's so true. I mean, like a few years apart, but Scorpio sisters for life. Boom! Something's supposed to be playing, right? Yeah. Oh, well, why? Oh, we're not gonna take it. No! We're not gonna take it. We're not gonna take it anymore. Hey! We've got the right to choose it. There ain't no way we'll lose it. This is our life. This is our song. 
think that's plenty. That's good. <laughs> no. No, we're, we're not, not going to take, take it. it. I've had enough. I've had enough. She has. I'm done. Had it. <laughs>